keep Miss Robin. If you would, take your Bibles today and turn to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14 tonight, this morning, this evening, today. It all kind of runs together sometimes. Mark chapter 14, and looking at verse 12. We've been going verse by verse throughout this book for over a year now. And I started working on this message, prepared, actually finished preparing this message before I left and <clears throat> added some to it since I got back. Mark chapter 14, verse 12. At the first day of the unleavened bread, when they had killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou that we, that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? And he sends forth two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and there shall meet a you a man bearing a pitcher of water, follow him. And wheresoever he shall go in, say ye to the good man of the house, The master saith, Where is the guest chamber? Where shall I eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished, repaired, there made ready for us. And the disciples went forth and came into the city, and found, as he said unto them, and made ready the Passover. In the evening he cometh with the twelve. As they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, One of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they shall, and they began to be sorrowful. <clears throat> and to say unto him one by one, Is it I? Another said, Is it I? And he answered and said unto them, It is one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goeth, as is written of him, but woe to him, that man, by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good were it for that man if he had never been born. Lord, we thank you for this day you've given us, and I pray that as we hear your word, again, you would give us ears to hear. We thank you for all the lessons, God, that you teach us through your word. I pray, God, that you would... Help us to understand you more and trust you more through the lessons of life, to grow in the grace and knowledge of, your, of, our, of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that the areas where we've struggled in the past, God, we would find victory as we see the betrayal of Jesus Christ, this one called Judas, Lord. Help us to ask ourselves personally, have I betrayed the Lord in some way? Lord, as we understand the Passover and the blood that was applied, may we ask ourselves, has the blood been applied to my life? Oh, Father, so many things we can learn from your word. Help us, again, to gain understanding through your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I spent a lot of time recently in the airport, and I rec recognize that life is like an airport. As you come into an airport and people see you there, they're excited, aren't they? They're glad to have you home, and you see people clasping hands and hugging necks and kissing and smiling. It's a wonderful thing. And as they depart, obviously, there's tears of sadness and sorrow, and much is the same in this life. When we hear of a birth of a child, we're excited, we're glad, we're happy that one is born. Or when we hear of someone who's been born again, we're excited and glad and happy and thrilled <clears throat> but often those who are amongst us depart, and we're sad. 
for a time, realizing we will not see them, and we do not know how, do not know how long it will be before we see them again. <clears throat> in an airport, like life, all kinds of crazy things happen. People lose stuff in airports. I mean, you hear it on the air, inter intercom, so-and-so has lost this, come to death, thus-and-so. And you have to go through tests like TSA. Oh, how wonderful they are. We left Israel, been on a plane for 12 hours coming from Tel Aviv to Newark, New Jersey, and <clears throat> got in Newark, New Jersey. We were, me and this other preacher from Pennsylvania, who kind of, he and I kind of hung out together. Uh, he was trying to, he and I were trying to find a way in Newark Airport, and as it is in life, sometimes it's easy to get lost, and in an airport, it is easy to get lost. <laughs> we were try, trying to find our connecting uh, spot where we were supposed to go. And we realized, sadly, we were going to have to go through TSA once again after we'd just been through an airplane for 12 hours, and that was, that was joyful. <clears throat> Jesus is coming to his best time of life, but tragically, it is his worst time of life. He's coming to the place where he is going to be crucified. It's his, his final week, as we've been looking at his final weeks for the last several months, it seems, almost. We see a couple of things recognizing that Jesus is our Passover lamb. A couple of things I want us to notice specifically this morning. The purpose of the Passover, the place of the Passover, and the perpetrator in God's plan of redemption. First of all, the purpose of the Passover. We see here in Mark chapter 14, verse 12, <clears throat> first of all, the meal purpose. It says, the first day of the, un day of the unleavened bread... <coughs> Uh, when they killed the Passover, disciples said to them, Where shall we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? It, it is a meal. When you think of Passover, you think of a meal. Just like we think of Thanksgiving. Now, can you imagine Thanksgiving without turkey meal? All right, something to eat. No, no, no. You would be, okay. Thanksgiving and food, they're synonymous. They, they go together. And when you think of Passover, you think of a meal. They were, they were getting together to have a meal with one another, and Jesus was preparing that. But it wasn't just a meal. They weren't just having a meal just to have a meal. Of course, they were, it, was a, it was a memorial thing. <clears throat> now, of course, the meals over there are a little bit different than it is in the United States. It's hard to believe a southern boy did not have bacon for two weeks almost. But everything over there, of course, is kosher. There's no, <clears throat> there's no meat. Uh, no, excuse me, no bacon, no, no uh, pork chops, no nothing. They follow the Leviticus, I think it's 19 laws uh, uh, for Jewish folks, and they follow it pretty, pretty, pretty regularly. And uh, so we, we didn't have any of those things. But it was more than just a meal. It was, a, it was for a memorial. The eating of the Passover meal was part of a memorial which the Israelites were to keep yearly. <clears throat> of course, the, the Passover was all about the, uh, the celebration or remembering of the deliverance of Israel uh, for the, from Egypt and going down to heaven, going down to Egypt, I can tell you, uh, I can see why they wanted to be delivered from Egypt. Uh, Israel was a more of a, a lovely, lush uh, place, even in January, which is their coldest time of the year. Though, really, as I looked at the temperature there in, in uh, Israel when I was there, it was basically 55 to 70, and it actually was cooler a lot of times in Gainesville than it was in, in Israel. But it was a time for them to gather together and commemorate what God had done. 
Uh, Exodus chapter 12 and verse 13, it says, When I see the blood applied to the, of course, applied to the doorpost, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. And when I smite the land of Egypt. Thus the Passover became the first and most important yearly religious observance in Israel. I went on to understand that the first feast of unleavened bread, also called the Passover, it lasted from about the 15th to 21st of the month Abib, which is our April and March. And it was known as the Passover, from which the Jewish people celebrated the deliverance from the Egyptian bondage. The Passover lamb was slain at the end of the 14th, between 3 to 5 in the afternoon. And as many as a quarter of a million lambs were slain at this time. Can you imagine that? Passover week was a special time. Every male Jew was from the age who was of age, when that's about 13, 13 years and up, and lived within 15 miles of the holy city, was bound by law to attend the Passover. In preparation for the feast, the Jewish homes were carefully searched and scoured for any trace of leaven, of leaven which would mean significance, any trace of sin. One month before the feast, the Passover and its meaning were taught the Jewish synagogues. It was a passion and desire of every Jew to attend the Passover in Jerusalem at least once in their life. So the Sanhedrin, which were 71 members of the Supreme Court of Israel, made, their, made sure they would go through houses in the area and make sure there was no leaven in their hearts. But unfortunately, even though they were searching for leaven in, in, in the houses, the people, had, uh, though they were outwardly pure, they were inwardly filthy. And that's, they were gripped by sin and bitterness and jealousy. And I guess if there's any lesson I learned, and again, this is, this is lessons you learn and you relearn and you relearn from going to Israel, is religion can do nothing for you. Religion can do nothing for you. On the way over there, I was, I was sitting at the, uh, from, Tel Aviv, from Newark to Tel Aviv. I was sitting on the window seat, <clears throat> and there's an uh, assistant pastor on the aisle seat, and in between us was an Orthodox Jewish man, an Orthodox Orthodox. And I got to say this about the Jewish folks. Jewish folks are probably better Jewish than Christians are Christians. And that's just the truth. I mean, 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, he was reading his scriptures. I was watching sci-fi. <laughs> I wasn't reading scripture at 2 o'clock in the morning. I didn't even know who I was hardly at 2 o'clock in the morning. But he was reading and at 6 o'clock in the morning, they all gathered, all the Orthodox Jews gathered in the airplane and had a worship service. And this man had, he was dressed in this black hat and his black coat, his white shirt and his black shoes, had this long leather strap, and he strapped it to himself and had his phylacteries on his head. And they all went up there and they had a prayer service, had a little service, you know, up there together. How many Christians would have done that? None, none, none that I saw. None that I saw. We were all sleeping. We're trying to sleep at 6 o'clock in the morning. <clears throat> but dear friends, all that they did could not, did not save anything. All their works of righteousness, all their memorization of scriptures, all their outward observance of law means nothing. Oh, it has great symbolism. And they, it, is, it is moral. But the problem is it cannot save. 
because Christ is not a part of the valuation. But the problem is the same thing is true in Baptists. A lot of Baptists think by being a Baptist you're saved, but being a Baptist doesn't save you. Or being a Roman Catholic doesn't save you, or Pentecostal doesn't save you. Whether you're born in America or born in Israel, that does not save you. It's only Christ alone can save. And they missed Christ. They have all the ceremony. They have all the ritual. And they do it so well. But they missed the most important part. They missed the Messiah who came to save them from their sins. How sad it was. Ritual without relationship equals ruin. If you're here today and you think somebody, somehow by showing up this church is going to get you right with God, it will not. If you think somehow by giving money in the, in the offering plate, oh, we're so thankful, but it will not save you. If you think somehow that by just uh, being a part of a church or joining or walking the aisle or even saying a prayer, it will save you. Oh, dear friend, it won't. It won't. So we see the purpose of the Passover. But secondly, the place of the Passover. We see in verse 12, it says, And the disciples said to them, Where wilt thou, will, where wilt thou that we go, and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? So it wasn't just, okay, we're going to have a place, and we're going to eat any old place. Where, you know, where do you want to go eat? Well, it's, uh, we'll go to McDonald's, or we'll go to, uh, we'll go to, we'll go to any place. No, they had, Jesus had a specific place for them to eat. We see the searching of the places. But secondly, we see the sending of the place. What do we know about the sending of the place? Well, first of all, it says in verse 13, he sendeth the forth the disciples, two of his disciples. Interesting enough, he didn't just send one, he sent two. He sent two. Sometimes in the Lord's service, you, you may seem, you may serve in obscurity, but if you cannot hem, handle humble obscurity, you will not serve, alone, serve God much as well. Sometimes you have to recognize, you know, it's not just, it's not just, not just me in this. It's, it's us in this. I'm so glad I got to go with a group of believers. It wasn't just an individual thing. We were all, all part of this. A, a church is not just one person. It's a family. It's a, it's a group of us. It's a fellowship of believers. And you realize how important that is as I got to minister with pastors and, and people from Hawaii and Minnesota and, and, and Lakeland and, and Maryland and all over the world. I got to meet people. I got to meet these Christians. We were in one folks and we were, we were in uh, one, one site and I started, we were, we were talking and fellowship and this other gentleman from South Korea, he came over and he was listening to our conversation and he says, we are Christians too. We, need to, we know the Lord Jesus Christ ourselves, and it was so wonderful to, to know there's folks from even people all over the world that, that you know it, but then to see them and hear them, and they have a thirst and knowledge for wanting to know God more like you do. So you see the pair in the sending, but secondly, the providence in their sending. He said, go into the city there and shall meet a man bearing a pitcher of water. Obedience will always experience providential help. This prediction shows that then omniscience of Christ thirdly the pursuit in his sending it says follow him you know if I was to say to you okay I'm going to show you how I'm going to give you directions to Turkey Creek I can tell you how to get there it's not that very hard not that very hard but you know the best thing to do is to follow me you know I can give you a whole lot of information about 
knowing Jesus Christ. But the best, best I, can, I can tell you scriptures, and we should. The best thing to do is just follow him. Just follow him. What, 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 what do you want me to do? What does God want you to do? He has a, a book and a plan for your life. Just follow him. Follow what he has for your life, and life will be so much simpler. If you're willing to just give in to your own, uh, give, to your troubles and your, your stress and your struggles, just, just lay down and say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to show you pictures tonight of me being in the Dead Sea. And we were all walking out there, and it's kind of cold, you know, and we're like, we know we've, we've been told what we'll do, but we don't really want to do it. We get out there about, about waist deep, and they said, okay, you just fall back and you get in it. But none of us wants to do it. But you know you should do it. And eventually you do do it. <laughs> and that's how like the Christian life is, don't we? We, don't, we want to trust in our way to make things happen. We don't want to just lean back. But you know what if I, did? I just leaned back and I, and I got in that old salt sea. So the Dead Sea is 33% salt. I just leaned back and I floated in the Dead Sea. And dear friend, there's nothing better than just resting in the arms of Jesus Christ. Just resting in him. Not worrying about it. Not stressing. Not having to... How, how's this going to happen? How, how am I going to make the payment? How am I going to? Let me ask you a question. Has God ever have failed you in how many years you've been alive? Will he ever fail you in the future? No. He can't fail you. He'll never fail you. We failed him a million times. He'll never fail you. He'll never fail you. So he said to the disciples, oh, I can give you a description of him. I can tell you which way he's going to go. But no, just follow him. And I say to you, dear friends, let's just follow Jesus. He's going to lead us. That's the pursuit and the sending. And forth the proclamation. Whatsoever ye, ye shall go, he say to the good men of the house, the master saith, there's a guest chamber. Where shall I eat the Passover of my disciples? That's the proclamation. We need to proclaim the word wherever we go. There's opportunities wherever you go to pro proclaim the word. We just got to say it. We got to just tell it. There's, there's a, the, the, need is, the need is great. And when you, the more you open your eyes and see folks and their needs and their struggles, you see that people have one great need, one great problem. The problem is sin, and the, need, and the, the one that can meet that need is Jesus Christ. He will show you a large upper room furnished repair for you. That's a provision. Where God guides you, he will provide for you. And the sixth is the preparation ascending. Make ready for us the pair that was sent had work to do. Not only were they to locate the right place for the observance, but they were to prepare it for the observance. God has a prepared place for a prepared person. What is God preparing you to do right now? You may be going through trouble right now in your life. You might be going through difficulties, sadness, financial struggles, marital struggles. What is he preparing you to do? The problems that you may be going through right now might be preparing you to help somebody else in, your, in their life. You say, well, I don't want these problems. Well, who wants a problem? But what, maybe God is going to use the problems that you're struggling with to help somebody else in their life. Would you, do, would you be willing to go through that for that? Jesus Christ was willing to be crucified so we could have everlasting life. Think about what he went through. 
the sacrifice that he was willing to endure so that he could help all men out for all men's all all men all all time so we see the searching for the place the sending for the place and the submission regarding the place the disciples went forth and came into the city and found that he had said to them and they made ready the passover First, the, the, the confirming by the obedience, he found as he had said unto them. If you follow the Lord Jesus in obedience, you'll find his word to be true. Everything it says is going to come to pass. The Jews, of course, as we, as we had to actually got to talk to several of them and actually question them about the Messiah, they rejected Jesus Christ as Messiah. They believe that one is coming. They believe the kingdom is coming, and they're looking forward to to that kingdom to come, of course, they've missed, they've missed the Christ. Secondly, not only confirming by the obedience, the conforming of in obedience. They went forth and came to the city and made ready the Passover. They did actually what was said to do. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. God has appeared a place for us, a place of service here and of service there. If we'll simply be obedient. The more light... That you receive, he will give you more light. And the more light you receive and you'll be obedient in that light, you'll be able to receive more light. The question is, are you willing to receive the light that, that God is willing to give today? What area in your life, what area of your obedience is he trying to get through to you in your life today that you've said no to? Maybe you've made that commitment like some 30 folks did to, make, to do your daily Bible reading, but you've said, ah, I've struggled with that. Maybe you made that commitment or that resolution to not watch too, so much TV, but you've already fallen behind and said, ah, you're watching too much TV. What area of obedience are you struggling with this morning? Or are you accepting him in this morning? So we see the purpose of the Passover, the place for the Passover but fourth, thirdly this morning, the perpetrator promised in the land, plan of God's plan of redemption. At this assembly, this Passover, which they observed once a year, Jesus was going to spend this last supper with them. This last time he was going to dine with his disciples. And he would have bread. And tonight I'm going to be able to show you, hopefully, some pictures of how they, uh, how they made bread. I got to, we got to go to a community, a Jewish community. Uh, community right out the right outside the city of Nazareth, and they, everything was in first century. How they made the food, how they made the pottery, how they how they did everything. They did it back like first century. Their dress, their their customs, their their ways. And we had a first century meal. Of course, there was no bacon, but uh, <clears throat> we had a first century meal. And it started with the bread and the dipping of the bread and. And these different types of substances, which I can't remember the name of them, but they were pretty good. They were, they were pretty good. But, got, but in this time of this last supper, we recognize that there's going to be a perpetrator. There's going to be someone who is going to portray Jesus Christ. And, of course, we know that person is, is, is Judas. The information about this person we see in verse 18 is they sat and did eat. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, one of you shall betray me. Now think about this. They've been with Jesus for nearly, nearly three years now. Three years. They've watched him. They've talked with him. They've ate with him. They've fellowshiped with him. They knew Jesus. It was interesting being with this group, about 40 of us from all around the country, as I said, all from Hawaii, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Maryland, Lakeland, 
you know, at first we all unaccustomed one another, but after about a week, we get to know each other. <laughs> who's the person who's always going to be lagging, lagging back? Who's the, you know, he's always had to occur, come on now, because we had folks from, from the age of about 13 to about 75. Who's the one we always had to encourage? Who's the, who's the one who's first one on the bus? Who was usually one of the last one on the bus? Who was a, who was a person who who you know ha- always had a, a, a good a good temper, a good good uh, good demeanor, and some people who didn't always have a good demeanor. How, you, you get to know about now, but Jesus had been with these folks, with, with these these twelve, these eleven disciples, these twelve disciples for tw- for three years, and he, he, they know each other, they fellowship each other, and he says, out of now we're, no out of outside of the blue, here's someone in our midst that's going to betray me. Imagine how it would be. Imagine here, you, you spent some three years, you fellowship, you think you know them, you think you know everything about them, you talk with them, you fellowship with them, then all of a sudden you hear someone that they're going to betray. Well, it says in verse 19, they begin to be very sorrowful. Their own information about it, but the intensity of the problem. <laughs> how sad that would be. Now he, Jesus had already begun to tell them that he was going to be betrayed. He, he told them that they was, he was going to be crucified. He told them that he was going to be buried and rise again the third day. But it's one thing to hear, a, to hear it, but then actually for it actually to come to pass. And they inquired about it, the inquiry of the problem. To, they say unto one by one, is it I? And another said, is it I? They didn't even know themselves. Because Jesus, the, the, actually, you know us better than any of us. You, you, you know our very frame. Am I going to portray you? Have you ever thought to yourself, could I portray Jesus Christ? But if we're honest, all of us have portrayed Jesus Christ, haven't we? We all have. In some way, some form, some fashion, we've all portrayed him. There have been times when we should have witnessed to that person that we know, but we didn't. Or we should have encouraged that person, but we didn't. Or we should have done something, but we didn't. We overlooked someone we shouldn't have. Who was the indication of the perpetrator in verse 20? It is one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish. So it's not just someone outside. It's not someone in the Sanhedrin. It's not some Pharisee. It's someone in this group. He, he brings it close to, to home. It's not someone outside. It's not, it's not the high priest. It's, it's not some other person. One of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to betray me. What was going to be the infliction for the perpetrator? It says, woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good were it for that man if he had never been born. Wow. Think about that. Think about that. <clears throat> you think of someone in the birth of someone. That is. But literally, it had been better for Judas Iscariot for never being born than portrayed. They ask you how you are, you just have to say that you're fine. When you're not really fine, but you just can't get into it because. Betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. Judas, 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 Judas today's in hell. He had so much light. 
He had so much truth. He had the miracles, the love, the compassion of Jesus Christ right there before him. Yet he rejected it. We got to the Dead Sea and got an opportunity to swim there and stay the night there right on the Dead Sea, right there on the Dead Sea. Next day, I went down. I looked up from my window and see the sun coming over the mountains. The Dead Sea is a border between Jordan on one side and Israel on this side. As I went walked down and I was standing right there by the sea, looked over at Jordan, and it was dark. It was dark. And I thought to myself, there's no light there. There's not, the Jordans, Jordanians, they've not, see, they've not received hardly any light. They've, it's dark. Then I looked over to my other side, and, and it was, it was the, the mountains of Israel, and it was light was shined over there. I said, here's the dividing line. There in Jordan is in darkness. Jesus did not come there, did not dwell there predominantly. And it was darkness. Jesus was given, has chosen the land of Israel and this, this land and this people and the land and the people are, are forever connected and there's so much light there. But even with all the light that's there, they still rejected the one who gave the light they rejected the son who gives all light and I wonder this morning have you received the light the light of Jesus Christ do you know Jesus Christ is your own savior do you know him oh dear friend Christ without Christianity is nothing Rules, oh, we love rules, but rules without a relationship is ruin. Ritual without a relationship is ruin. Do you know Jesus Christ? And for those of you who know him, are you simply just going through the motions of Christianity? The going of the church, the going to the church, because it's expected of us. What do we do on Sunday? We go to church. I went to my first Sabbath day church service a week ago Saturday. Never went to church on, well, I've been, to, I'm, I'm at church all the time, I'm a preacher. <laughs> but first church service I remember going to on the Sabbath day. They worship on the Sabbath day. <clears throat> and they were worshiping Jesus. They're worshiping Jesus. But the question is, I, I think to myself, sometimes we just go through the motions of doing it over and over and over, and we lost the real reason why we do it. We just show up. We just, we just, we, we, it's like the guy who bound his arms in the, with, the, with, the, with, with, the, with the leather strap and the wearing of the hat and the clothes. We just go through the motions and try to make it happen. But is it real in our, in our life? Is a relationship growing in our life? Are we better today spiritually than we, we, we are last year? 
do we want to grow in our relationship? What was, what was going to Israel all about? What was that for me? It was me recognizing that I didn't, really, didn't, I didn't know it all. <laughs> I mean, you say, a preacher, don't you know about the Bible? And sure, I have two degrees in it. But when I got over there and I saw all of it, it opened my eyes and God made me realize how much more I need to know him. How much more I need to know him. We can never get to the place of complacency. We can never get to the place where we think we understand it all and we can just sit back on our laurels. Oh, dear friend, we need to continue to grow in him and to know him more because this world is lost without Jesus Christ. And we need to be a light and salt to this dark world that's heading towards destruction. Oh, do you know him today? And if do you know him, are you really living for him? Or is this just something you do because it's Sunday morning in South? Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness and your grace and all that you've done for us in our lives. Thank you that you are our Passover lamb because you shed your blood on that cross you know, 2,000 years ago, we can have forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. There's nothing good I've done. It's not being a preacher. It's not knowing, not memorizing verses. It's only through a relationship with Jesus Christ. With head bowed and eyes closed this morning, may I ask you again, and I ask you if you seriously ask yourself this question, do I know the Lord? Do I really honestly have a relationship with him? Or is this simply ritualistic? Am I just going through the motions? Do I know that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ? The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible tells us God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yes, sin broke our fellowship with God, but God in his love and his compassion towards us was willing to be that sacrifice, the only sacrifice that would be acceptable in the eyes of his father to pay the way and appease the wrath of God. Jesus was willing to be that sacrifice. He was crucified on that cross, shed his blood, was buried, and rose again the third day so we could have everlasting life. How thankful we need to be for that sacrifice. If you accepted the free gift of salvation, you hear the day and say, Preacher, I'm not sure if I'm a Christian. I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I really want to. Oh, friend, maybe you've made some type of decision in your past, maybe in your childhood especially, but you're just not, you're just not sure. I beg you this morning, don't let your pride or any preconceived idea that you've had in the past cause you to go to hell oh because the bible says for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish without jesus christ you will perish there is a real place called hell this was created for the devil and his angels but god does not want you to go there he does not want you to he does not want you to go to hell that's why he sent his son his only begotten son jesus to be crucified so that you would you would miss that place of torment. But dear friend, without Christ 
as your Savior, that's where you will be forever and ever and ever. Oh, friend, if you're here this morning, you don't know Christ as your Savior. We'd love to take the time to share from the scriptures and just in a place of privacy with just you and another man, if you're a man, you and another lady, if you're a lady, just in a few moments, how to be saved, how to know for sure that if you died, you could and you would go to heaven by placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Would one be here with eyes closed and head bowed and say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm a Christian, but I want to be. Would you, want to be. Would you pray for me? Anybody like that tonight, this morning at all? I'm not saved. I, I, I'm not sure I'm saved. But would you pray for me? I'm, 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 I'm not sure of my salvation. I'm not sure of it. But I want to be sure of it. Would you pray for me? Anybody at all this morning? I won't point you out. I won't embarrass you, but I'd love to pray for you. Would someone here say, Preacher, I'm, I am a Christian, but I'm, I'm not, I know I'm, I'm a Christian, I know I'm saved, but my Christian life has not, not been what it ought to be. I feel like I'm just going through the motions sometimes. I feel like it's, it's not what it needs to be. I know I, I'm struggling, I'm struggling in my own life, and you're, you're willing to be honest about that this morning. Would you pray for me? I'm struggling to be honest. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Someone else? Anyone else? Amen. Amen. Thank you for your honesty this morning. Someone else. Someone else. I'm struggling. I'm fighting. I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. But I'm struggling in this in my relationship with God. Would you pray for me this day, preacher? If we if we were honest, everyone in this room who's saved would have to say there's been times we struggle. It is the struggle of the Christian life. It is. It's so easy to get caught up in the outward. It's so easy to get caught up in just doing it. But it's not in the doing of it. It's the, in the knowing of Him. It's not the outside in. It's from the inside out. Preacher, I'm struggling with my relationship with God. Would you pray for me? Anybody else? Anybody else? Let's stand to our feet this morning. If God has spoken in your heart, Brother Clayton's here. You'd like to be saved man, my wife will be here if you're a lady you're not sure of your salvation but if you're struggling in your relationship with God, would you come would you come and just say Lord I need your help I, 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 just, I need your touch I need your encouragement, I need you the altar's open this morning for you to come and ask God for, to help you oh if God has provided him, his son as a Passover lamb for your salvation, oh dear friend don't you think he wants to sustain you and strengthen you in your walk with God? Yes, he does. Would you be willing to make that first step? I encourage you to do so this morning. As the music plays, if God convicts your heart through his spirit, would you come? Would you come and say, Lord, I need you this morning.
Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for an opportunity to be here this morning. Thank you for the pastor uh, coming back safely. Thank you for safe travels. And lo Lord, help us as individuals run our race with patience. Help us be a burning and shining light in this world. And thank you once again for the shed blood of Calvary. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, his death so we could be free. Him dying, the righteous dying for the unrighteous, the godly dying for the ungodly, the sinner, the sinless dying for the sinner. I thank you for it. I thank you for just looking down upon us and loving us and caring for us, giving us a Bible. I pray, Lord, for this nation. I pray, pray for each and every one of us as individuals, Lord, that we get a burden for you and uh, the things of God. And we just thank you once again for what you've given us here. You've been good to us, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> 